You're listening to a special hour of the Herman Cain Show. I'm Scott Slade, hosting here from Atlanta, Georgia, along with the Herman Cain. From our flagship station, WSB Radio senior political analyst Bill Crane and our Washington insider Jamie Dupree, well, the last half hour or so, President Obama's been introducing his next Supreme Court nominee, Judge Merrick Garland. And WSB's Jamie Dupree joins us uh, uh, live uh, here. Uh, first of all, and while you're in Florida, Jamie, let me drag your expertise back to the nation's capital. Uh, Merrick Garland, this is not the first time he's been on a short list, is it? Uh, no. In fact, uh, he was chosen by President Bill Clinton for a federal, a federal appeals court uh, job back in 1995. The Republicans blocked him and refused to act on his nomination, in part because of the 96 elections. After Bill Clinton won re-election, then Clinton nominated Garland again for the D.C. Circuit, and he was approved. I think it was a 73-36 vote in that area, 73-26 or something like that. Mm-hmm. There are seven Republicans who are still in the Senate who voted for him. There are five Republicans still in the Senate who voted against him, including the Senate Majority Leader, Senator Mitch McConnell. Now, Garland is considered, from what I've been able to read on him, uh, he's, he's more of a liberal. Uh, he would come down right around where Justices uh, Kagan and, and others are on the high court. And obviously the response of the Republicans has been immediately, no, we're not going to act on him, no hearing, no vote. And uh, the president, I think, previewed what will probably be the use of the bully pulpit to try to uh, shame Republicans and, uh, and to turn public opinion against them. So they know that's coming. He knows it's coming. And uh, this was all part of that opening volley in that fight which uh, I, I think Republicans, uh, they will feel the heat probably, whether they will buckle and actually give him a hearing. It doesn't look like it now, but I still wouldn't rule it out, Scott. Herman Cain, do you think there's even a case at all to be made for the Senate to consider this nomination before the end of the year? How about it, Bill Crane? What do you think? I think that 125 days is the longest period of time since 1916 that after a president has made a nomination, it sat. I have a hard time envisioning the U.S. Senate being able to stonewall with as many GOP seats are up as are, which is about a third of the Senate is up and a majority of those are Republicans, mm-hmm. until February or March of mm-hmm. 2017. Mm-hmm. So I think there will be hearings, maybe not this nominee, but I don't think they get to, ne- to next February without them. Yeah, yeah. and there's some polling that indicates, uh, at least I've seen in polling I saw recently, Herman Cain, that uh, the majority yes. of Americans think that uh, the, the Congress, the Senate ought to take this up. What do you think? Well... I don't think so, and here's why. What I'm hearing from conservatives is that the Republicans in the House have not used their leverage in terms of the power of the purse to get some of the things done, although I happen to think Ryan is moving in the right direction with a lot of things going on in the House. But they are going to look at this as betrayal on the part of Mitch McConnell and the Senate Republicans if they take it up and it ends up getting some sort of hearing and approval. So I understand that, you know, it shouldn't be politics, but it's Washington, D.C. And I got to tell you, you already have a lot of conservatives and a lot of Republicans who are upset over the possibility that you have some of these big wigs are going to try to turn the convention into a contested convention, hand select who they want. And this would be the straw, I think, that would break the camel's back. Well, on that issue, let's get back to the campaign then. Merrick Garland's uh, progress we will watch here in the days to come. Uh, is it illegal to start talking about people you'd like to have in your can- in, in your cabinet just to show what kind of a leader you'd be? It is, it is illegal to name who they would be because that's considered a gratuity, giving something of value to that person in exchange likely for their support. It's not illegal to do essentially is what... 
Herman had suggested in an earlier hour of this show is to name a field of three to five people you're considering. You're, in fact, you're already, already seeing mm-hmm. Donald Trump talk about several people, business colleagues, that he might put on some of these treaties and negotiate uh, as the U.S. Secretary of Commerce or whatever. He's not giving specific titles, but in great minds in business like that's that you can do that, but you can't say, I'm going to name so and so Ben Carson, Secretary of Health and Human Services. We're already seeing well, yeah. it. Go ahead, Herman. Yeah, what I was going to say is, yeah, I, that's why I raised the question, because letting people know the kind of folks you're going to surround yourself with, I think is very critical. But I would agree with uh, Bill and Jamie, you can't name a specific person. Here's the other way that he can sort of let people know. Well, that was an article in the Hill, Mag- Hill newspaper a couple of weeks ago that named some potential VP selections. This didn't come from the campaign, mm-hmm. but with some of these publications start to throw some names out there and uh, help those trial balloons and, along. And help those trial balloons along. I don't think that is a bad thing, but they just got to figure out how to get it seated and get it out there. Ohio Governor John Kasich last night, enjoying his victory in Ohio, uh, proclaimed to the crowd, we're going all the way to Cleveland and secure the nomination. Notice he didn't use the word win. He he may go all the way to Cleveland. It's not that far from Columbus, but I don't (laughs) see him securing the nomination. I I can see a circumstance where John Kasich is the running mate. Yeah. The the GOP has to have Ohio in their column. To, to get to 270, given the lay of the land politically in this country and the number of blue states that have been blue four out of the five last, last presidential cycles, is that number's around 240. On the GOP side, it's 180. There is no math without Florida, Virginia, North Carolina, Ohio mm-hmm. moving back. They were with Barack Obama four years ago into the GOP column that gets the GOP to a majority of the Electoral College. Just like Marco Rubio. Just like... Go ahead, Jamie. I'm sorry, Herman. Kasich really did a good job in terms of getting the vote out in his state, I have to say. He he put up a wall, really, against Trump in Ohio, that Trump was not able to get much further than the border uh, counties with Pennsylvania and up and down the Ohio River. And Kasich was able to win. If you're going to win in Ohio, you got to win in Cincinnati, in Dayton, in Columbus, in Toledo, in Cleveland. And he certainly did that. And you know, you put the two of them together, that is a possibility they could take that state and they could put it in play for the Republicans. A blue-collar red ticket. Yeah, I I mean, it it certainly could work. Now, uh, what's coming ahead, Trump has already said he's going to skip the debate on Monday in in Utah. Kasich has said he'll skip it if Trump isn't there. So this race is going to take on a bit different kind of tenor now in the coming weeks because we don't have that many primaries coming up. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see how long that Kasich and Cruz can really survive in this uh, environment. And it, the other thing that Kasich said last night, and he said in a previous interview, no way is he going to be Donald Trump's running mate. Now, that being said, well, Marco Rubio said that there was no way he was going to get out of the race. But he got out of the race. And Joe so, Biden said Barack yep. Obama was a clean, articulate young man. Yeah. And so, then later became know, his vice president. Later became his vice president. And so Kasich saying that, that's what he's supposed to say. Uh-huh. He can't get away with, well, uh, I'm running to get the nomination, but just in case I don't, this is my fallback. No, you can't run that way. And I'm sure they, that he has his advisors telling him he's got to sound like he's going to go all the way, even though we all know that mathematically it's improbable that he's going to get there. Mm, well, is the slim hope for John Kasich is that he will be the last man standing after a bloodbath at the convention this summer? Uh, I don't see, and, and I'm not 
attacking those who are exploring other options, and I do think there is still the possibility of a convention doing what conventions used to do, which is nominate the the nominee. Mm -hmm. But I don't see the likely nominee being, under any threshold or set of circumstances, Governor Kasich. I think he's too moderate or perceived as. He's actually not as moderate as as he's running a campaign to be in terms of his positions in a state other than Medicaid. What he's done as governor and what he did running the House Budget Committee. But he's running as the moderate choice, and there just are not enough GOP moderates to give him the nomination. You know, it's funny because Kasich is much like John McCain in the sense that both of them were not liked by the establishment when they were in D.C. Kasich was always seen as a pain in the behind. And he thrived on that, that he bothered people and he got under their skin in the GOP leadership. Uh, But, you know, he was the same way, in a sense, as McCain in lifting the curtain and exposing the spending ways of both parties in Congress. And they didn't like him for that. And uh, I think it's sort of funny to look back and see how both of them have been, uh, that part of their career has been run over by a lot of conservatives in the Republican Party simply because they're not conservative enough. The only thing, Bill, that I would say is the whole issue of him being seen as a moderate is that Donald Trump has sort of done away with most of the things in the party that define the Republican Party when it comes to being a conservative. Those are not big issues for him in this race at all. Will there be an establishment left? When this, I, I, and this is another thing. I haven't heard the word establishment used in this context since 1968. They haven't been vilified. But, I mean, do remember it was Richard Nixon who appointed George Bush as the RNC chair at the nadir of the Republican Party's existence coming out of Watergate. Yeah. There will be a rebound. It may take... A, a cycle or two uh, for the party to get back to where it was going before going in. But as Harmon and others have pointed out, I will give Donald credit, Donald Trump credit on one front. He's bringing voters into GOP primaries. I don't know how many of those are Democrats voting for Trump so that he'll be the nominee against Hillary. I, mm-hmm. I don't know. But there's record numbers, even in Ohio, way more Republican voters than Democratic. And I but, don't know how Bernie Sanders, Hillary Clinton, or the party moved them back to the Democratic we, column in the fall. we got to talk about uh, Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton, but, but one more quick thing here. How does Donald Trump break through the 40% threshold? I don't know that it's entirely possible. The gender gap that you pointed out earlier is 54% of the electorate, and Herman may disagree with me on this, but 54% of the electorate are female. They are the most likely, particularly white, older voters, female, to show up. Those are Hillary voters. I don't know how he gets to 50% plus unless this tsunami of interest translates into polling numbers in the fall. Could be another chapter in the heart of the, in the art of the deal there, Herman. It could be, but I also think that he's got some opportunities that he may not have highlighted that could attract some of those women voters. Obviously, that's not going to be a tsunami, but, you know, for example, he stood strong saying he's going to not touch Social Security, he's going to make it strong, he's going to protect it. That plays to the older voters that Bill has pointed out, and so the more that he talks about those kinds of things, he just might be able to get enough of them. Here's where I think he has another big opportunity, um, and that is with black voters. I happen to believe that Hillary think Hillary's thinking that the Democrat Party has a lock on black voters is a fallacy. No, it is not. Some of them are realizing they are being deceived and being pandered to, and a lot of them are deciding that, no, we're not going to go with the selected choice that they're trying to shove down their throats on the Democrat side. There's there's some thinking going on there, Herman, but I'll bet you a steak dinner at your choice of restaurants in Washington, D.C. or Atlanta, any GOP nominee getting more than 10%, we're not there yet. 
of the black uh, We may have to make that wager. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I, got I got witnesses. Witnesses. <laughs> I'll choose witnesses. The wine. Hey, let me choose the wine. Okay. Yes. Right. Let's on to the Democrats for a moment here. Uh, is there any case at all for Bernie Sanders staying into the race into the summer, other than, and I'm not trying to be flip here, other than entertainment value to provide a foil for Hillary Clinton? Well, he he's has, trying to get something. You know, I'm sure he wants to have either a role at the convention or maybe, uh, you know, a, some, a plank on the platform or something like that, but uh, I would say he has even less of a route to the nomination than, than Kasich or or uh, Cruz on the Republican side. I mean, he, he lost all five yesterday, and uh, I, I just don't see that many places, and I, I think there have to be Democrats that will probably come up to him and say, okay, you've had your time. Uh, I know you've got a lot of money, but it's time to move on. But they've been telling him that for his entire career. He's He's got time, he's got money, and he has successfully pulled Hillary Clinton left. Last night, her remarks, she started, after she said thank you to the states that had supported her, she started with free college and forgiving college debt. Whose issue was that? Bernie's. Yeah, she's, mm-hmm. she is clearly mm-hmm. trying to capture, particularly his millennial voters, and he has no reason to get out. I mean, he's, he, he will, as Jamie just said, he'll have a, a very visible platform. Maybe he nominates her at the convention, but he ain't going away anytime soon. But yeah. just, like, just like Kasich represents leverage for John Kasich, uh, dependent upon how things unfold at the convention, Bernie is also trying to develop some leverage uh, because I think that the process has been fixed for Hillary, but if Bernie can get enough attention with enough followers, he might have a little bit of leverage at the Democrat convention. She needs his voters. And yes, beyond that, does. right there you go. There's the sales point here. You can even call this uh, Hillary Clinton's pivot take two. You know, pivoting, <laughs> twenty-two, dropping Oops, her, sorry. Years, dropping her attacks on Sanders, and starting to try to smooth things over, and talking about a general election campaign. I call it from a flipper to a flopper back to another <laughs> flipper and another flopper. That's what I call it, Scott. Do you see the? <laughs> do, you see, <laughs> do you see the? Do you see the current level of enthusiasm lasting all the way through the final primaries on June seventh? I see it on the Republican side, and here's why. The more the talk is that the convention may be contested, the more people stay excited about it. That's my impression. On the Democrat side, they got an uphill battle of creating that sort of enthusiasm because, as I heard one commentator point out, and I would agree, uh, those Obama voters aren't necessarily going to be Hillary voters. And so she's got an enthusiasm gap that she's got to fill. You're listening to a special hour of The Herman Cain Show. Breaking news, experience, and insight. Herman Cain brings it to you every day, every day. on the radio and at HermanCain.com. You got to wonder, Donald Trump's announcement that we've had enough debates and I won't be there at the next one on Monday night. Is that the first part of the deal to bring the Republican Party back together? Next.